Krambampoli by Marie von Ebner Eschenbach, translated by A. I. Dupont Coleman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A man may have a kind of liking for all sorts of things and all manner of creatures, but love, the real thing that does not pass away, he learns to know, if at all, only once in his life. This, at least, is the conviction of Ranger Hop. How many dogs has he had in his time, and liked them too? But to love? What you can really call to love, and never to forget, only one, Grambampoli. He bought him, or more strictly speaking traded him, in the Lion Tavern at Wischau, from an under-forester out of a job. The very first time he looked at the dog, he was taken with a liking for him that was to last as long as he lived. The master of the handsome beast, sitting at a table by an empty brandy-glass and crumbling at the landlord because he would not give him another, looked like a thorough rascal. He was a little fellow, still young, and yet as dried up and weather-beaten as a dead tree, with yellow hair and a scanty yellow beard. His forester's coat, probably a relic of the departed splendors of his previous service, bore traces of a night spent in wet ditches by the roadside. Although Hop was not fond of bad company, he took a seat near the fellow and began at once to talk with him. He soon found out that the good-for-nothing drunkard had already pledged his gun and his game back to the landlord, and was now inclined to let the dog go the same way. But the landlord, Red Jusura, refused to hear of a pledge that would need to be fed every day. At first, Herr Hopp said no word of the liking he had taken to the dog, but called for a bottle of the good Danzig cherry brandy which the landlord had, and made haste to pour some out for the vagabond. In an hour all was settled. The ranger handed over twelve bottles of the liquor on which the bargain had been struck. The other gave up the dog. To his credit, be it said, it was not easy for him. His hands trembled so as he fastened the cord about the animal's neck that it seemed as if he would never finish the operation. Hop waited patiently, admiring the wonderful quality of the dog in spite of his bad condition. He was not more than two years old. His colouring corresponded to that of the wretch who was abandoning him, though perhaps a couple of shades darker. On his forehead he had a mark, a white streak that ran off in slender lines to right and left, like pine needles. His eyes were big and black and lustrous, ringed about with clear amber. His ears set high, long, and perfect. In fact, there was not a flaw in the whole dog, from the tips of his paws to the end of his fine, sensitive nose. The whole supple and yet powerful frame was beyond praise borne on four living columns that might have supported the body of a deer and were not much thicker than a hare's legs. By St. Hubert, the creature must have had a pedigree as long and as pure as that of a knight of the Teutonic order. The ranger's heart exulted over the splendid bargain he had made. He stood up, took the cord which the vagabond had at last succeeded in tying, and asked, What's his name? His name? Well, you can call him the same as what you've bought him for. Grampampoli. Well, Grampampoli it shall be. Come on, then. Are you ready? Off we go. But no matter how he called and whistled and pulled, the dog refused to obey. He turned his head towards the man, whom he still regarded as his master, only whined when the latter shouted, March! and accompanied the order with a vigorous kick, and still tried to huddle close to him. Only after a hard struggle did her hop succeed 
in taking possession of the dog finally he had to be tied up put in a bag and carried off on his new master's shoulder to the hunting lodge which lay several miles away it took two full months before Krampampoli, beaten half to death and chained with a spiked collar after each attempt at flight at last came to understand to whom he belonged but then when his subjection was completed what a dog he was no tongue can describe no word can measure the height of perfection that he reached not merely in the exercise of his appointed functions but in his daily life as a zealous servant a good comrade a true friend and guardian it is often said of intelligent dogs that nothing is lacking to them but the power of speech to Krampampoli, not even this was lacking his master at least was able to hold long conversations with him the ranger's wife became actually jealous of bully as she called him scornfully sometimes she reproached her husband she had spent the whole day in silence at her monotonous knitting when she was not sweeping washing or cooking at night after supper when she picked up her knitting again she would have been glad of a bit of a chat you've always got something to say to bully hop and never anything to me talking to a dumb brute the way you do you'll forget how to talk to humans the ranger admitted that there was something in what she said but he saw no remedy what was he to talk to his old woman about they had never had any children they were not allowed to keep a cow and the gamekeeper finds no interest in domestic fowls when they are alive and not much when they are cooked the breeding or shooting of game on the other hand she knew nothing about finally hop found a way out of the difficulty instead of talking to Grambampoli, he talked of Grambampoli, of the triumphs that he won everywhere of the envy that the possession of him excited of the absurdly high sums that had been offered for him and contemptuously rejected two years passed by in this manner then one day the countess his master's wife appeared at the ranger's door he knew at once what the visit must mean and when the kind and beautiful lady began to-morrow my good hop is the count's birthday he took up the sentence quietly with a smile and your gracious ladyship wishes to make him a present and you have come to the conclusion that you couldn't give him anything else as good as Krampampoli. yes yes my dear hop you have guessed it the countess flushed with pleasure at finding him meet her halfway spoke of her gratitude and begged him to name the price that should be paid for the dog the wily old ranger chuckled put on an exceedingly deferential air and presently came out with a decisive declaration please your ladyship if the dog stays at the castle if he doesn't bite through every cord and break every chain or strangle himself trying then your ladyship may have him for nothing for that is just what he would be worth to me the test was made but it did not go as far as strangling for the count before that point was reached lost all pleasure in the obstinate creature it was useless to try to win him by kindness or to conquer him by force he snapped at every one who came near him refused to eat and for a hunting dog has not much reserved flesh wasted away to a skeleton in a few weeks hop got word to come and take away his worthless cur when he speedily responded to the summons and saw the dog in his kennel there was a meeting full of indescribable joy Krampampoli uttered a feeble bark jumped on his master put his forepaws against his breast and licked away the tears of joy that were running down the old man's cheeks on the evening of this blissful day the pair paid a visit to the tavern the ranger played cards with the doctor and the steward Krampampoli lay in the corner by his master's chair now and then hop looked round at him and the dog no matter how sound asleep he seemed to be instantly began to thump with his tail on the floor as if he would say here i am 
and when hop carried away by joy shouted out as if it were a song of triumph how goes it with grampampoli the dog rose with respectful dignity stood at attention and answered with his clear eyes it goes well about this time not only in the count's preserves but in the whole surrounding district a band of poachers carried on the operations in the boldest fashion the leader was a dissolute rascal he was called yellow by the woodcutters who met him drinking his brandy in some tavern of irrepute the gamekeepers who now and then got on his track though they could never come up with him and the customers whom he had for his ill-gotten booty among the lowest class in every village he was the most daring rogue that ever set a problem for honest gamekeepers he must have been at one time in the profession himself or he would never have known how to track out the game with such accuracy or so cleverly to avoid every trap that was set for him his depredations reached an unheard-of height and all the men employed on the estate were grimly bent on catching him thus it happened only too often that those who were caught in some small breach of the game laws were more roughly treated than at another time they would have been or then could quite be justified this caused a great deal of bitterness in various places the head gamekeeper against whom the feeling was strongest received not a few well-meant warnings the poachers it was said had taken their oath to make an example of him the first good chance they got the bold high-spirited man however tossed his warnings to the winds and took all the more care to let it be known that he had enjoined the greatest strictness on his subordinates and was prepared to take the entire responsibility for any unpleasant consequences most frequently he reminded ranger hop of the need for strict execution of his duties and sometimes reproached him for lack of sharpness at which however the old man only smiled but Grampampoli, at whom on such occasions he looked down with a wink yawned loudly and contemptuously he and his master bore no grudge against the head gamekeeper who was the son of the memorable hero that had taught hop all the noble lore of the chase as hop in turn had initiated the gamekeeper when a boy into the same calling the ranger still thought with pleasure of the trouble he had taken with his education was proud of his former pupil and loved him in spite of the rough handling which he as well as the others got from him one june morning he met him again in the act of administering justice it was in the circular clearing among the lime trees at the end of the park on the border of the count's wood and in the neighbourhood of the breeding-places which the head gamekeeper would have liked to protect with murderous minds the trees were at their best just then and a dozen small boys had climbed into their branches nimble as squirrels they swarmed over the limbs of the splendid trees broke off all the smaller branches within their reach and threw them on the ground two women quickly picked them up and stuffed them into baskets which were already more than half full of the fragrant spoils the head gamekeeper flew into a terrible rage and ordered his subordinates to shake the boys out of the trees regardless of the height from which they fell while he crawled to his feet with cries and lamentations one with the skin scratched off his face another with a dislocated shoulder a third with a broken leg gave the two women a sound trapping with his own hands in one of them hop recognized the light hussy whom rumor pointed out as the mistress of yellow and when the women's baskets and shawls and the boys hats had been seized and hop was charged to produce them before the court he could not get rid of an unpleasant foreboding the order which the head-keeper wild as a devil in hell and surrounded by wailing and tortured sinners shouted to him then was the last he ever had from him one week later he came face to face with him again in the circular clearing among the beech trees dead from the appearance of the body it was plain that it had been dragged here 
through mud and underbrush that it might lie in state on this very spot it had been placed upon a pile of broken bows the forehead encircled with a chaplet of blossoms and another wreath of the same sort laid across his breast his head was by his side also filled with blossoms the murderers had left him his game bag too only they had removed the cartridges and replaced them with more blossoms his fine breech-loader was missing in its stead was a worthless old musket when later they found the bullet that caused his death buried in his breast it fitted exactly the barrel of this weapon which had been laid in mockery across his shoulder hobbs stood petrified with horror gazing down at the disfigured corpse he was unable to lift a finger and even his brain seemed paralyzed he could do nothing but stare and stare and it was only some moments later that he regained his power of observation and asked himself a silent question what's the matter with the dog Gambampoli was sniffing at the corpse and running about distractedly his nose on the ground once he whimpered once he uttered a shrill yelp of joy then he gave tongue and made a few quick leaps just as if a long slumbering memory had awakened in him down cried hop down with you and Gambampoli obeyed but he gazed at his master with intense excitement and as hop would have expressed it said to him for goodness sake don't you see anything don't you smell anything oh master dear do look do smell master come come this way and he thumped with his tail against the ranger's knee stole back to the corpse often looking round as if to say do you follow me and began to take the heavy gun in his mouth plainly trying to lift it a shudder ran down the ranger's spine and all kinds of conjectures began to dawn in his mind but because it was his business not to see millstones not to give instruction to the authorities but rather to leave untouched the ghastly thing he had found and go his way which in this case led straight to the ministers of justice well he did just what it was his business to do after all the formalities prescribed by the law in the case of such a catastrophe had been fulfilled which took the whole day and part of the night hop found time before he slept for another conversation with his dog old dog said now the police are at work and they'll be skirmishing about all over the place are we going to leave it to others to rid the world of the blackguard that killed the chief my old dog knows the low-lived villain yes yes he knows him but nobody needs to know that i haven't told them ha i think i'll bring my dog into the shop there may be some sport he stooped over the dog sat between his outspread legs and pressed his cheek against the animal's head taking his grateful caresses in return then he went on murmuring how goes it with my crambampoli until sleep overtook him psychologists have attempted to explain the mysterious impulse that drives many criminals to return again and again to the scene of his crime hub knew nothing of their learned disquisitions but none the less he scouted incessantly with his dog in the neighborhood of the circular clearing on the tenth day after the headkeeper's murder he had for the first time given few hours thought to something else than his vengeance and had been busy in the count's wood marking the trees which were to be taken down at the next cutting when he had finished his task however he threw his gun over his shoulder once more and took the shortest way through the woods to the breeding places near the circle at the particular moment when he set foot on the path that runs along the side of the beechwood he fancied he heard something rustle in the underbrush a moment later silence reigned again a deep continuing silence he would almost have thought there had been nothing to take note of if the dog had not looked with such special keenness into the thicket his hair bristling his neck outstretched his tail stiff he glared at one particular spot in the undergrowth oho thought hop 
if that's you my fine fellow just wait he slipped behind a tree and cocked his gun his heart beat wildly in his bosom and his naturally short breath came near failing him entirely when suddenly wonderful to relate yellow came through the hedge onto the footpath two young hairs were hanging from his back and on his shoulder the headkeeper's breech-loader with its russia leather straps it was a strong temptation to shoot down the villain from the safe concealment but hop was not the man to fire upon even the worst offender without first warning him with one bound he sprang out from behind the tree and on to the path crying give yourself up you cursed rascal as the poacher for his only answer snatched the gun from his shoulder the ranger pulled the trigger good heavens a flash in the pan a harmless crack instead of a heavy detonation the loaded gun had been left too long leaning against the tree in the damp woods good-bye so this is death thought the old man but no he is still unwounded only his head flies off riddled with shot the other too has no luck to-day that is the last cartridge in his gun and he must pull another out of his pocket at him cries hop hoarsely to his dog seize him here crabampoli here to me calls the other with a soft and coaxing voice ah a well-known voice and the dog what happened next took less time to happen than to relate crabampoli had recognized his first master and ran towards him half the way then hop whistled and he turned yellow whistled he turned again quivering in desperate uncertainty on a spot equally distant from the two men attracted at once and repelled finally the poor beast gave up the hopeless conflict and put an end to his doubts but not to his suffering baying howling his belly on the ground his body taut as a sinew his head raised as though he were calling on heaven to witness his torture he crawled to his first master at the sight a thirst for blood seized hop with trembling fingers he had put in a fresh cartridge with calm sureness he took aim but the poacher had once more raised his barrel to point it at him this time it would be decisive both of them knew this and whatever thoughts were going through their minds they faced each other as calmly as if they had been painted on canvas two shots rang out the keeper hit the poacher missed and why because as the dog leaped upon him with excited caresses he started at the moment of pulling the trigger beast he hissed between his teeth then fell backward motionless the executioner came slowly toward him you've had enough he was thinking to a pity to waste another bullet on you nevertheless he set his gun on the ground and loaded it anew the dog sat up straight in front of him his tongue hanging out panting quickly and loudly and gazing at the ranger and when he had finished his loading and picked up his gun once more they held a colloquy of which no witness could have understood a word had a living man been there instead of the dead you know for whom this bullet is meant i can guess deserter traitor wild scum forgetful of all faith and duty yes master that i am you were my toy once but now it is all over you are no more to me i know master and Campampoli lay down he sat breast close to his outstretched paws and looked at the ranger yes if the wretched brute had not looked at him he might have made a quick end of it all and saved himself and the dog further pain but he could not who could shoot a creature that looked at him like that hop muttered a few curses between his clenched teeth each one more lurid than the last bent over the poacher's body took the hairs and went on his way the dog followed him with his eyes until he had disappeared among the trees then he rose to his feet and a blood-curling howl rang through the woods 
he ran round a few times in an aimless circle and then sat down again by the dead man in that position the officers of justice found him when led by hop at nightfall they came to view the body and provide for its removal Krambampoli drew back a few paces when the man approached there's your dog said one of them to the ranger i left him here to watch answered hop ashamed to confess the truth but it was no use the truth came out just the same for when the corpse was put on the cart and carried away Krambampoli trotted after it head and tail drooping next day a curt attendant saw him slinking about near the room where the body of yellow lay the man gave him a kick and called out go home Krambampoli snarled at him and ran away as the man thought in the direction of the ranger's house he did not go there though but began to lead a miserable vagabond life wild and worn to a skeleton he wandered about the poor dwellings of the cottagers at the end of the village suddenly he darted on a child that was standing in front of the last house and snatched greedily from him the crust of bread that he was munching the child was speechless with fright but a small spitz dog ran out of the house and barked at the robber Krambampoli dropped his booty and fled that same evening hop was standing at his window before going to bed looking out into the bright summer night in fancy he saw the dog sitting on the other side of the heath by the edge of the wood gazing at the scene of his former happiness with unchanged longing the truest of the true masterless the ranger closed the shutters and went to bed but after a while he got up again went once more to the window and looked out but the dog was not there again he tried to sleep and a second time it was in vain he could bear it no longer whatever had passed he could not get on without the dog i'll take him back he thought to himself and felt himself a new man after the decision at the first peep of the day he dressed himself told his wife not to wait dinner for him and hastened away but as he left the house he stumbled over the wanderer whom he had gone to seek afar off Krambampoli lay dead at his feet his head touching the threshold that he had not dared to cross the ranger never got over it those were his best hours in which he forgot that he had lost him deep in affectionate thought he would murmur as of old how goes it with my crumbum but in the middle of the name he would stop suddenly remembering shake his head and say with a heavy sigh too bad about the old dog end of Krambampoli by marie von ebner eschenbach read by julie niedermeyer